Hi, this is Audrey Blair, and you're listening to the Change is Hard podcast, episode two. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here today. It's a lovely day outside. I went out early this morning, dropped the kids off to school. I had a appointment to get checked up, get my mammogram done. Yay me. And now I'm sitting in my office and I hear the birds chirping outside and it sounds quite lovely. I hope you get a glimpse of it as well. And I think we're actually fully into spring now. The last couple of weeks, it's been a little bit of back and forth. I think last week alone, there were some days where I had uh, the heat and the AC on, depending on the time of the day. So I think nature is finally calming down a bit and figuring out what we're doing. See, even sometimes nature has a little bit of a hard time letting go and, and transitioning from one thing to the other. This year feels like, no, we're hanging on to winter just a little bit longer, but now I think, I think we're there. Now today I want to talk about how you can effectively change anything by using what is called a change framework or a change model. And specifically, I'll walk you through my change framework. This is an important topic because one thing is for certain. It has been proven through science and research that resistance to change is a natural process and it is inevitable. Even when it's something that you want, it can be very challenging. You've probably experienced this many times in your life with both minor and major changes you'd like to make. I'm in the middle of something right now. It's the beginning of spring. I have a birthday coming up uh, at the beginning of summer. And I'm usually doing inventory on my wellness regimen. I sometimes get laxed in the summer with what I eat. And now I'm thinking about my metabolism and maybe I should do a reset. I don't quite know what that means just yet, but I'm trying to figure that out. Maybe um, shed a few pounds and lean out a bit. In the winter time, I don't get out as much for exercise or anything else because well, frankly, I'm, I'm a wimp to cold weather, so I try and stay indoors. And, uh, and I'm also considering in whether or not I want to build a little bit of running into my plan. I used to run a lot more and I kind of miss it, but I also know that uh, getting older and I can't do as much as, well, at least I'm telling myself I can't do as much as I used to, but we'll see. So there's a lot I'm thinking about for my wellness, and I'm at the age where it's not as easy as it used to be. Uh, So I want to be a little bit more intentional because I can't just do whatever and think in a couple of weeks I can get back to where I was. So a framework gives you some guidelines and cues that enable you to plan for dealing with the barriers that will inevitably present themselves while you are trying to transform. Our brains are designed to keep us doing the same things and to keep us safe with familiarity. That's why habits, we don't think about them as much. They're just automatic. And change presents a lot of unknown factors and creates uncomfortability. Now that's why our brain often defaults to no. 
Um, have you ever had someone ask you a question and immediately your answer was no before you even had time to think about it or process what they're asking you? If you're a parent, you probably know what I'm talking about. But having a way to help you navigate the transition from current state, so where you are now, to future state, what you'd like to be or where you'd like to be, can be very, very helpful. You're going to be able to identify potential barriers in advance and plan accordingly. It's something that organizations use as well. They use often a change framework to help them navigate various types of transformation. So here I want to give you a tool, some things to consider when it comes to applying what it is that you might want to change, whether it's short term, uh, something small or something long term, maybe something a little bit more major. And I actually had to develop a framework in order to graduate from my coaching program. So this is the framework that I did develop. And from time to time, I make it a point to revisit the framework to see if there are any adjustments necessary. I'm always looking to see if there's a way for me to simplify the process or explain it better. I look at what have I learned from my clients and recently I did make a few tweaks, so I thought it might be a good opportunity to walk through it with you. And I'll create a worksheet and drop a link in the show notes that you can download and use as well. All right, so let's dive in. At the center of my framework is mindset. This is the crux. It's very vital. Uh, many of you may have heard the saying from Wayne Dyer, change your thoughts, change your life. And I think there is a lot of validity to this. There's a lot of research and science now that talks about the malleability of our brain and how we can change what and how we think. It's not something that most of us are taught to explore. In fact, I was working with a client the other day and he just said something like, I've never really thought myself separate from my thoughts. I just figured, I just feel like they're just me. But we are not our thoughts and we are learning this more and more. Instead, the thoughts and stories that are created or the things that we tell ourselves, we report them as if they're just the news, like they're just absolutely true. But our thoughts can be challenged and mindset is the key that unlocks everything to how we can challenge and what we can learn about our thoughts. Now, in my model, I have a thin line around mindset where I have placed coaching because I believe the beauty of the work that I get to do as a coach is to create a space to help people with their mindset. Although it's not something we've been taught to do on our own, it is a skill that we can develop. And I think coaching is great for exposing blind spots that we might have. It offers a different perspective and it helps us to reframe and get unstuck. So, there are four components to this particular model that I've created. And the first part of the model of the change process is clarity. Now, clarity means freedom from haziness and ambiguity. And it's about bringing things into focus. So in this step, you want to define what success looks like for you and you want to understand why this is important for you. And when it comes to defining what success looks like, it may not always have to be uh, the number on, on the scale or the dollars in the bank account 
or the number of people that you're leading or want to lead. It could be about comfort or confidence. You might want to fit more comfortably in your current spring and summer clothes without having to go out and buy more clothes. You might want to have more confidence when you walk into the room to do a presentation or when you're leading a meeting. You might want to increase your influence throughout the organization without relying on your level of authority. Uh, You may also want to be in more control of how much you drink. You may want to set a limit to two glasses of wine and be done with it without all the mind drama. So there's so many things that you might want to do that could be specific to a number, quality, or quantity. So it's very important to define what success looks or feels like. And this must be your definition, not someone else's. Others may have different ideas about what you could be or should be or what they think about you. So what? Let them have their thoughts about those things. And yes, sometimes people can offer us ideas or give us a possibility of a way we see ourselves that uh, they may offer a way that we may not see ourselves, but you're not going to get very far if you're trying to appease or appeal to some external version of success, which is why you also have to be clear on why this is important for you. What's the reason behind it? You get to decide what that is. There is no right or wrong answer. And you have your own value system that will determine the importance for you. I think about being around for my kids as long as possible. I had kids later, so that's a big consideration when I think about my health and wellness. I like being active and feeling strong. And I want to stave off as many of the diseases that are tied to aging as long as possible. Now I know it's not entirely in my control, but how I treat myself absolutely matters. And if I were doing this 20 years ago, my reasons might be quite different, but they are what they are today. So be clear on what you want and why you want it. That is the first step, having an awareness of that. The second part of the framework is commitment. Now, this is why it needs to be your definition of success because you're the one that has to commit to it and you're the one that has to do the work. I think about this as the point of no return. So when you're saying, okay, I've decided and I'm moving forward. Uh, And when you do that, sometimes things, something clicks into place. Sometimes there's a motivation that occurs or, or your focus narrows a bit when you really do commit to what it is that you're trying to do. In his TED Talk, Ben Hardy explains how 100% commitment is so much easier than 98% commitment. With 100% commitment, certain decisions are already made and you actually decrease what's called decision fatigue exponentially. So what that means is, as you're going throughout your day or as you're, you know, things come up, things might pop up. So if you are someone that is thinking about, hey, I want to be a little bit more in control and how much I indulge, well, are you going to have, are you going to have that third glass of wine? No, the decision has already been made in advance. 
If you are wanting to increase your influence and you know that presenting is a big component of that in your organization, are you going to step up and present and volunteer at the next meeting? Well, yes, you are. Are you going to go out and introduce yourself to someone new today? Yes, you're going to do that. Now, this is not to say that the temptation won't be there to go the other way, but when you have committed 100%, it significantly decreases the waffling back and forth. Should I or shouldn't I? Should I do this or not? And when that is there, that back and forth actually tires you out. And it makes you vulnerable to making less powerful decisions later. Have you ever had a long day where you've had a lot of decisions? And especially as a parent, you might come home or any, whether you're a parent or not, and you come home and you're just so worn out by having to ask a lot of questions or make a lot of decisions, especially if you're not sure about what decisions to make. And that at the end of the day, someone asks you something and whatever they want, you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> That's what can happen when we are in this decision fatigue. So now that doesn't mean that there aren't going to be mistakes or setbacks. So that 100% commitment simply means that if there are setbacks or mistakes, they become lessons that you learn along the way rather than a reason for you to throw your hands up in the air and just forget the whole thing or to start all the way at zero. Sometimes I hear people say, well, I made a mistake and here I'm all the way back down to ground zero. That's actually not true. You can learn and you can figure out I've gotten this far. That mistake only set you back a little bit. And with the commitment, you are committed to continue to moving forward. The other thing that commitment brings is there begins to be a fundamental shift in your mindset. And you start thinking as that person, you start seeing yourself as that future version. And when you're acting and treating yourself in this way, it helps your brain to get there more quickly. This is the idea of expanding your self-concept. And in turn, you do things like planning and thinking through contingencies. I was working with a client who wants to increase their influence with the executive leadership in the organization. And one of the things in the way is having a critical conversation with one of the executives. Well, if they are working to see themselves as a peer in this group, having those types of conversations are going to be absolutely necessary. So rather than seeing themselves as someone who avoids conflict or seeing conflict as a bad word, they are working to become someone who welcomes engagement and welcomes the opportunity to have a little bit of back and forth. And when we, we've actually had sessions walking through all of their questions about what if this happens or what if they say that? And this is a great exercise for getting those thoughts out and really having a plan just in case. Really, ultimately, the things that our brain offers us are the reasons why we shouldn't do something the chances of those things actually happening are, are quite low. It's just the anxiety that we feel and it's offering us reasons to say, to stay safe and not step into this new place. 
I had another client planning for a weekend with friends and family, and they created a plan in advance for how much alcohol they were going to consume because the chances of alcohol being there were 100%. So they needed to know in advance, how am I going to handle myself? How am I going to see myself in this way? The great thing about 100% commitment and thinking beyond just the actions is that it allows you to broaden your self-concept so that when you reach your goal and it becomes fully realized, your mindset has already transitioned along the way. It's already there. I think this is one of the main things that keeps people reverting back to old habits is that on the outside, everything looks great. But if your mindset hasn't shifted, if you are not comfortable seeing yourself in this new way, seeing yourself at that level of leadership or seeing yourself as this lean person or seeing yourself as the person who can control what they consume, then it's much easier to revert back because our brains haven't caught up. So thinking through and planning through and allowing to see yourself in that way along the journey is very, very helpful. The third step to the framework is capacity. And capacity means the maximum amount that can be contained or the actual ability to perform. Now, this step requires a good hard look at where you are, the current state, which requires a healthy dose of self-awareness. So through clarity, you've discovered point B. You've explored where you want to end up. You've created the idea of what this could look like for you. Now it's about discovering point A the X on the map that signifies where you are. So I know malls are kind of, you know, gone these days, but if you're in a big place, you want to find the you are here X on the map. So then you can figure out, well, how far do I need to go? or What path do I need to take to get to where I'm trying to go? This is why it's important being committed first, because now you're exploring that gap between point A and point B. Now, the challenge here is sometimes you might want to judge yourself and go, well, I should be in a different place or I shouldn't be here still or I shouldn't need help for this. But this is not to judge yourself. It's simply a way for you to understand where you're starting from, what's your starting point. It's like the runner who wants to run a marathon. If they can't go out tomorrow, they decide today and then can't go out tomorrow, run a marathon that they beat themselves up. No, it's about where am I starting from? What plan do I need to put into place in order to reach that goal? So actually we're driving across the country to California this summer. And my husband just came in a few minutes ago and talking about the plan and how many hours per day we're going to need to drive in order to get there in a reasonable amount of time. And, you know, it's a totally different mindset than going to Hilton Head where I'm, I live in North Carolina. So driving across the country, literally to California this summer, where we used to go to Hilton Head, which is about six hours away from where we are. So it's a different mindset. If I'm thinking about Hilton Head, I'm not thinking about days and days on the road. I'm not thinking about having to plan meals and where we're going to sleep before we get to our destination. I'm thinking, 
I don't have to worry about so much um, if we leave at the crack of dawn. But now I have to think about, and we have to think about, what is this going to take? Now, we don't know to the minute uh, how long it's going to take or exactly when we're going to get there, but we have a general idea. So the mindset shifts. I know for me, for all of us really, but for me, being prepared to be in the car for long stretches, spending days on the road, I mean, it's not my favorite thing, but something I'm prepared to do in order to reach the destination. And uh, no, we're not driving in an RV. Someone asked me that. So, you know, I need to prepare to be only moderately comfortable on this drive, whether I'm driving or sitting in the passenger seat. So this is the point for capacity when you're thinking about underneath the surface, what actually do you need to change? And part of that is also considering what support you might need. One of the things I think we forget about when we're trying to go through change or transformation is uh, your goal may call for a significant emotional shift. I remember when I was going back into the workforce after spending years at home with the kids, it was about five years and I was considering uh, going back to work full time. And that was a that was a very challenging process. There was a lot that I had to think through, but definitely the emotional shift of that was fairly significant. I don't know that I thought about it in advance. And whatever it is that you're trying to do might require you to consider where do I need to shift my emotion or my energy around this? It might demand that you reallocate your time in some way. When I was working full time and decided to go back to school for my coaching certification, because I decided I wanted to start my business and I had to reallocate my evenings and weekends and early mornings in order to get through that certification and make it work. So having the idea, that's why the point A and point B matters where you are right now and what it might take for you to get there. You might have to learn something. You may need to invest financially. I also had to figure out, well, how much is this going to cost me to not only go back to school with my time, but how much do I need to invest financially in order to reach this goal? Another big thing is you may have to unlearn something in order to relearn. Uh, Having my background in IT and in consulting, um, consulting to coaching, there are some significant changes and significant adjustments. So I needed to unlearn the idea that I was coming in as the expert and was required to know all the answers and taking on full responsibility for how a project turns out. Coaching, it is quite different than that. So my brain, I had to allow time to adjust for that. So if you're thinking about moving from one role to another, That also matters. What got you there is not necessarily the same things that's going to help you to grow in that space. The other thing is, it's important from a capacity perspective, is how comfortable you are with being uncomfortable. How uncomfortable are you really willing to feel? 
You know, building the capacity for discomfort, that is a great skill to develop. I work with a lot of people who, a lot of leaders and those who are trying to continue to grow in their leadership. And one of the things that comes up, especially if they're moving from a high level um, individual contributor where they're the expert and they know all the things and they're the go-to people and they have all the answers, moving into a leadership role a lot of times requires that you're dealing with uncertainty. But if you can be the person that can show up and lead when there's uncertainty, that is golden. Another thing that is important in this space is that you have to learn how to build the capacity for success. And this is something that actually shows up a lot more than you think, not the capacity for success, but the what's called success intolerance. In the book, The Big Leap, Gay Hendricks talks about this quite a bit, that we, we reach a certain level and we see ourselves in a certain way. And it's hard for us to get beyond that. And you might have a hard time thinking or seeing yourself as that next level of leadership or seeing yourself beyond where you are with being able to control some of your indulgences, for example. We just can't see over the ridge. We can't imagine looking at ourselves in a different way. And this shows up when you do things like minimize your wins, or you think you've had success because it was a fluke, or because the circumstances were outside of you, versus you being very intentional and showing up and doing what you set out to do. That is where success intolerance shows up. Just recently I was working with a client and they had a they had a win. It was a minor win, but it was still a win. And he wanted to minimize this win. And we had to work through really seeing it as a win not outside of him, but it was something that he actually worked hard to do. And when you do that, it teaches your brain to start recognizing yourself in this new way. You're building evidence that yes, I can move forward. Yes, I can reach this goal because these are some of the small steps that I'm making along the way. Ultimately, you are allowing yourself to make space and grow in order to reach your goal. Because honestly, if you had the capacity today, you would already be there. The results of where you are right now inform you as to how you see yourself. So the last phase, I'll say, the fourth step in this framework is capability. Be capable means having power and ability, being competent. And this is when you put it all into action. This is when you start doing. Everything up until this point has been to lay the foundation. So if you jump straight to action without being clear on what you want and without considering the barriers that you'll face along the way, the likelihood of success decreases significantly. Now, this does not mean you can't pivot or make adjustments along the way. Of course not, because it hardly ever ends up exactly the way that you envision it. But having guidelines help you to know where you need to make those adjustments. You can think back and use the guidelines to tell you, I need to go back and recommit here. 
Or I need to go back and understand and focus on why am I doing this in the first place? This is getting really difficult. So what is my why? And what is the, the importance of me starting this journey to begin with? And the more you do, the more you learn. The more you build your capacity, the more you're able to handle both success and setbacks. And that is what leads to greater confidence, both being able to handle success and setbacks, which then leads to a higher probability of your success in reaching your goal. So that is the framework, my framework for how to change anything. Now, don't forget to download the worksheet from the show notes. I hope this has been very helpful for you and I will see you the next time. Bye. Hey, if you are an ambitious emerging leader and want to work with me one-on-one to help you get unstuck or get clarity on where your leadership journey is taking you, sign up for a free consult with the link in the show notes.